Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. This week, we're finishing up The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah, otherwise known as Yada Yada Shit Happens. Stay tuned for book two. Just an announcement. We both finished reading this book today. Today. And reading is a loose term. <laughs> Scanning. <laughs> <laughs> we um, skimmed yes. the second half of this book very hard. I looked for keywords, and I don't even think that was effective. But uh, here we are. <laughs> it, it's saying how much we wanted to get through this book that instead of doing two additional episodes to get through the second half... We just condensed it into yep. one. You're going to get one episode, so buckle up, sweetheart. We <laughs> hope you're with us. Um, that aside, our next book, stay tuned for, is mm-hmm. The Elf Tangent. By Lindsay Burriker. I'm excited about that one. One of my faves. Actually, don't blame me if this one isn't good, but her <laughs> other ones are, are very good. Well, um, yeah. No, very good. I'd say very good. I have not read anything by this author, so I'm excited to... Give it a shot. She's full send indie. Um, on Amazon, all of her books are either 99 cents or like 4.99. And like normally you're kind of, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Like that's not a lot of money for a book that someone wrote and it's probably going to be bad. But hers are pretty good for what you're paying for. Like you get a lot of satisfaction. So it's not like an off-brand Oreo from Walmart? Like- no. <laughs> They're like the weird ones that are like the off-brand is better than the original. And you're like, oh God, what are those? Um, It's the... Frosted Mini Wheat off-brand is, like, way better than the regular one. It is something about the Frosted Mini Wheats. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. They're delicious. The off-brand ones. Mm-hmm. That's our little hitch for whatever and those ones are called. we cycled into <laughs> cereal discussion. That just tells you how much we didn't enjoy this book. We, we really didn't. We tr- we wanted to like it very It had much. good bones, but the meat was lacking. I do the not feel satiated. <laughs> That is going to be a quote for this episode. Maybe we should retitle it, The Meat is Lacking. <laughs> the Meat is la- that I do like that. Okay. We're rolling with that one. <laughs> and People I- listening to this in their car are like, but that's what the episode is called. It's like, you just saw that happen in so, real time. That's not what we started with. We might need to re- re-record the intro then. The Meat is Lacking. Oh, dear. There's so many other connotations for that. <laughs> I feel like they're all legitimate. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, we'll go with that. Okay. Yep. Starting right off, Mazen, our... Mazenar. <laughs> Mazenar. I, I hesitate to call him a hero because he's so annoying. <sighs> you know what? I have a soft spot for male characters who are not the stereotypical, you know, super strong, overpowered, will protect everything. But I I need some kind of redeeming factor, man. There is no redeeming qualities. I know I've read some reviews and there are people who really like Mazen and I don't know who, I I can't. Nope. Don't know her. Who is that? Yep. And I feel like in the Q&A episode, we'll kind of like dig in more to why, because we talked about this earlier. I hate criticism that's very like nebulous and you don't give like specific things that someone can improve on. Um, but we'll get into the specific things that can be approved. We're going to try to stay focused on just the plot. Yes. We might have some snarky comments on the plot as we go through this, but we will try and stay focused. So returning to our actual synopsis here. Yes. Mazen. Mazen forgot the circlet and he's... LOL. <laughs> very Sorry. typical Mazen. 
Dawson. Nope, that that fits. He returns to Ahmed's residence. Oh my god! But finds that surprise. It's now Ahmed's turn to be possessed by the Queen of the Dunes. Ako. Yep. Uh, fighting happens typically. Yeah. Um, all three of our protagonists are involved in the fighting, but after Ahmed slash badass Jin Queen kills several of these hunters who had gathered at Ahmed's place for a party, I think is what was going on here. Yeah, he's having like a meeting with all of the like Jin hunter, like local Jin hunters, I think. And uh, they're talking about, they're like bragging, basically. Yeah. It's like some weird, I was about to use a very not good word for what this probably is. Uh, jerk circle. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's not quite. (laughs) I think that's what this was, though. It's called called a circle jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I learned something today. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We have to we have to stay focused. We can do this. Highlight right there. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Anyway. That's what's happening at this party. There's a circle trick happening <laughs> at this party between the hunters and Ahmed, except Ahmed is now an evil gin queen. Yes. And she's like, now nah, I'm going to kill you all. And she does. Yep. Um, until Mazen and party show up and Aisha manages to, well, we think it's Aisha. I think. Neither one of us could remember and we didn't care enough to really go back and check. Nope. Someone pries off the necklace from Ahmed and then he's immediately remorseful because he killed a bunch of his friends. Uh, this is a shitty part of the story. Like, Yeah. I, I feel like she could have fleshed that whole scenario out. Like there was an opportunity for yeah. Ahmed to have more character. Yes, because um, so there's a scene immediately following the fight where Lily wakes up in the castle because I think we're going to talk about it later, but her and Kadir are in some kind of like fight. Um, and they have this like whole chat about how like Ahmed is like fucked up after killing people who are basically his friends. But the whole time you're reading this, like, you don't even feel that bad for him. You're like, okay, like, he killed a bunch of his friends. Like, that's He's such sucks. a one-sided character. Like, Ahmed exists mm-hmm. as a character for Luli. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't um, operate uh, independently. Like, it's like, oh, okay. He's done. He could have been very interesting. Yeah. Especially if he, like, showed his actual face to Lily instead of because I still got that very artificial vibe from him even when he was talking to Lily that Mazen keeps like talking about throughout this bit but it could be his like time to like take the fake smile off and like talk to her about like the woes of being a Wally and like having to be this like aggressive angry person all the time and you know fight bad guys but he just wants to be like you know a regular person like that would be an interesting character dynamic that she's just like nope he's remorseful he killed his friends it felt and like that's it. <laughs> the author was trying to make him a viable romantic interest for Luli. Like that was the design of this character yeah. and it just didn't ever come no. across. Without any of the legwork. Like no. you can't just tell me that, you know, they have feelings for each other. Like you got to show me why. <laughs> like put some heart into it just yep. a little bit. See, it needs some meat. It needs uh, not like lid, like, you know what I mean? Like not metaphorically. <laughs> it needs some meat. But it needs some meat. Like I can't just be told that they like each other and then just like go with that and be like, okay, like you got to prove it. Like, no, why I, do they I like agree each other? entirely. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, tangent over. This is what's going to happen throughout this episode is we're going to, it's going to uh, yep. devolve into a Q&A session where we just hate on certain aspects. We'll try not to do that. It's already happened once. It will happen again. It'll happen again. Okay. 
Also, if you heard that clinking, it was my drink. So um, we're trying we... <laughs> a new drink today, actually. So yes, we are. We it's a it's a strawberry lemongrass vodka mm-hmm. with some juice in it because we're not very creative. <laughs> <laughs> well, you added some like crazy shit to it. Uh, limoncello. Yeah, there's some limoncello in there. Some lemon juice in mine. Mm-hmm. Some sort of orange. It kind of tastes like um, a Jolly Rancher, but like an orange lemon Jolly Rancher. Without, if you the... could imagine that flavor. Less sweet. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it has that like um sparkly feeling that Jolly Ranchers do. Uh we'll be feeling sparkly in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as this episode devolves, you'll understand why. We, we need, needed context. <laughs> well, we also need the liquor to get through this episode. That is true. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Mazen, uh Ahmed, sad Mazen. I just don't even want to I don't even want to read this. Maybe maybe we should I we'll hit the high points. Luli ends up taking possession of the circlet, courtesy mm-hmm. of Mazen. He tosses it to her, which pisses Aisha off. Yeah. Um, well, reasonable. Yeah. Possession, potentially dangerous. You're just going to give it to a non-agent of the state. Like, I understand Aisha in this moment, and I am on her side, <laughs> even though she's not the protagonist. Luli's so boring. Yep. That I wasn't even worried. I'm like, what's she gonna do with it? Oh wait, she's probably gonna go crying to Kadir. Like, yep. that's what's yep. gonna happen. And he's gonna protect her somehow, and we don't have to worry about it. And then after this whole fighting happens, she has this sit down. Woe is me. I love Ahmed, but I can't love him because he's a hunter and yeah. he did all these bad things, and it's never gonna happen. Like, it was completely useless. And yeah, because we'll she had that same exact woe is me like four or five chapters earlier and nothing changed like it's the same problem recycled yep it's like okay girl like we just talked about this Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you don't know if you love him or not (laughs) we don't care also so no just decide and move on (laughs) yep we also learn somewhere around this point in the story that mazen can manipulate his shadow We're going to immediately tangent again um because i thought that this was such a fucking cool like potential like this could be some kind of fun offshoot you could take this in multiple directions so it could either be uh you know like side effect of mazen's whole like possession from the shadow queen it could be omar's ability and somehow when he fed you know omar fed a little bit of his blood into the bangle like you know, Mazen all of a sudden realizes that like Omar is like all kinds of fucking weird and has all these special abilities. Like you could have done so much stuff, but Mazen just like accepts it. He's like, okay, okay. Like I I'm a special move. prince. I can do special things. Yeah. It's like homeboy did not even question. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden I can peel my shadow off a wall and put it on myself like a coat. Yeah. Like you're not even gonna. Like, what I a think- cool idea though. Like the, this as the, mm-hmm. like talking to the author, that's brilliant. Yeah. It felt all kinds of like Harry Potter when he gets the invisibility cloak. Mm -hmm. But even that, they had like a moment between him and Ron where they're like, what the fuck? Like they kind of like excited. But Mazen was just like, huh. And that's the theme throughout this book is that there's a lot of really cool points and ideas like this that are just, they're not given any kind of depth or weight Mm -hmm. when they appear. So you kind of skim over them. We we missed a lot in our skimming session. (laughs) Undoubtedly. It's just... It's just there. Like, there's no attention directed to it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, anyway, tangent over. Uh, sorry, folks. Nope, redirecting. That's fine. Again. This is going to be this kind of episode. They yep. reconvene their desert adventure. Mm-hmm. So the entire party sets off. That's Aisha. Um, that's Aisha, Mazen, Luli, and Kadir. Mm-hmm. Still trying to get to the Sand Sea, Lost Jin City, or mm-hmm. whatever. Somewhere around here, Mazen takes off his bangle, bangle, and leaves it off. <laughs> the bangles. <laughs> the bangles. <laughs> and everyone is finally clued into who he really is. And even this was not like... This should have been a huge fucking revelation yeah. for Luli. Yeah, and Luli's just like, oh, now it's Mazen. Hmm. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, it's like, girl, what? <laughs> It's around this part of the journey, too, or maybe a little later that a couple of, like, really interesting tidbits gets passed around, like, as they're traveling. Yeah. Um, And this, to be fair, this might not have been actually where it happens in the story. (laughs) This was something that we thought you guys should should know. Yeah, it's Uh, like a culmination (laughs) phase. Like, here's some tidbits. We took a a guess. Yeah. So Luli realizes that relics are not enchanted objects. They are objects that are infused with the soul of a dead djinn. Yeah. That was dark. Yeah. She tests this theory by threatening Kadir with the compass. And even so, um, if I'm remember like remembering this right, they're sitting on top of a roof at night and they're having this like heart to heart, but you just kind of like, okay, like they're having another conversation. Um, and she like doesn't she like hang it off the side of the roof? Yeah. It's like this could be a super emotional point, like once we learn what the compass actually is. Like this could be like a devastating point. And she didn't have any kind of like significant reaction from She's Kadir. She's supposed to be completely emotionally bonded to Kadir as this I don't know. Yeah. Guardian brother figure. And she just pulls this shit on him. No. Yeah. But not even in like a, like you get to hear her thoughts and like why she's being such a bitch. Like she just like kind of hangs it over the edge and she's like, oh, so like it doesn't matter if I smash this compass. And like Kadir kind of has like some kind of like, oh, please don't. And then that's it. It's like, can I have some kind of fucking like emotional reaction? Like there's no internal reflection. From any yeah. of the characters. Yeah, even though it's written from the character's point of view. So it should have, uh, what is that called? It's like omnipotent? Or- Om- omniscient. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you get the, I think that would make this a lot stronger. Because the whole time I'm like, I feel like I'm watching something without context. It's and like, I'm like a okay. scripted TV show. Yeah, but without the like good actors that make it like emotionally bonding and all mm-hmm. their like ad-libbing, it's just like, they are reading the script. And then this happened. And, and this then happened. this happened. No thoughts. Yep. And then. <laughs> oh, but anyway. Yeah, sorry. Well, this whole revelation that Luli's been basically selling souls for years. Yeah. And Kadir just doesn't clue her in on that. <laughs> and like, this was like a kind of an interesting part because Luli's fucked up about this, obviously, because she's like, you know, selling all these relics and hunting them across the desert. And each of the relics has a gin soul inside of it. You know, that's their way of living on into the next world. And obviously she's like fucked up about it. But Kadir is like, well, no, I mean, it's I'd rather, you know, all of these souls continue to be helpful to people instead of just being lost in the desert which is a really cool point yeah but it just is glossed over like i think it's like those two lines like she's like that's fucked up and he's like well no i'd rather them be used than lost and then that's it no further discussion no further elaboration head like headbutting of cultures there yeah that could have been completely explored yeah and And like even have like lasting repercussions throughout the rest of the book Mm -hmm. where like she's like really emotionally taxed by what she's been doing but they just kind of like gloss over it yeah another tangent 
Um, anyway, the ghouls. The Oh, the ghouls. <laughs> so if we didn't have enough action in part one and two. Oh, God. Even more action. They get suspicious on their little desert journey when some ghouls are following them from a distance. But, you know, they dismiss it because nothing bad ever happens to this traveling party. That was a confusing part because, like, I guess you can see or you, like, know that ghouls are around if, like, the desert all of a sudden gets, like, freaky quiet. And so they have this point where they, like, pack everything up and then they're like, oh, my God, there's, like, ghouls over there. And it's like, are there just traveling bands of ghouls Apparently, in this desert? That's the norm. <laughs> like, not even phased? Like, uh, I would be a little bit concerned. It was, like, this huge red flag that they were trying to wave at the at the party and they're like no yep no big deal okay we're just gonna pack up and leave everybody be real quiet and Mm -hmm. then we'll get away i so (laughs) i think they stumble they keep moving on they might have stumbled upon like a village or like a traveling oh yeah it's like a group of bedouin travelers Mm -hmm. they take shelter there and then they start to hear rumblings and gossip from these people about quote the hunter in black who's yeah. unbelievably successful in hunting gin because he supposedly uses very fancy traps. Pay attention to that. Fa- mm-hmm. Fancy traps. Um, and then this dude, this hunter in black, that's a key because Luli's tribe was murdered by an individual matching that description. So I had multiple thoughts on this. Um, when do you not? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was confused when they first started talking about the hunter in black because like they just dropped him in halfway through and I'm like, okay, who's this guy? Like, well, I don't was, know about you, but it sounded to me like it was a group of, that's hunters. what I thought. Okay. Literally. Okay. okay. Oh my God. I, feel better now. I thought I was having like an aneurysm. I'm like, now it just turned into one hunter in black, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I thought it was a group. So then they started talking about this one particular and I was like, finally, like this is going to be a romantic interest. And he like had to kill his I family. I thought that too. <laughs> Thank I you. Like, oh, a hunter in black. He's, Here it is. Mm, yep, nope. <laughs> nope. He's just a creepy guy. Another villain. Yeah. And then also, like, when did he get super good at making these traps? How? Yeah. yeah. Because also, like, well, maybe I'm spoiling it, but you're about to find out in, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. But this guy used to be one of the Sultan's 40 thieves. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, like, now a rogue or whatever. But, like, you're what? when did he figure out the skill? Because it's a significant skill. Because as we learn right about now, so another battle commences. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kadir typically rushes in to save the day, except guess what? A gigantic hole opens up in the middle of the sand and both he and his horse fall in and they're ripped to shreds by a bunch of iron blades stuck through the sides of this hole. Yeah. Sounds like a trap, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Well, and it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Kadir and the pony dies. Kadir is dead. Yeah. Pony is dead. In and- the very haphazard way we say that, that's how I felt. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of sad because he was kind of one of the only interesting characters and then I was also died. excited because I thought oh maybe this means we're gonna meet the actual character that is yeah. supposed to provide more depth to this whole story no no <laughs> instead Luli just has a meltdown yep and then we get the hunter in black yeah the hunter in black appears and Aisha knows this dude red flag Th- yep this is Emad mm-hmm. is that how you say it I thought it was like Ahmad. Ahmad, or, yeah, that's Ahmad or yeah. You're right. It on depends that one. on like what letter that is, but yeah. uh, formerly, like you said, one of the forty thieves under mm-hmm. the Sultan, not under Omar, and right. he was banished under mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. Which again makes me wonder because if Omar is all about killing all these motherfucking jinn, why would he get rid of the one guy who's like really evidently good really good at it? Uh, I got questions. Yeah, and Ahmad has got. Oh, I think I've messed that up again. 
Hmm. Amad? We can say Amad. Uh, yeah. Uh, that uh, that makes sense. Amad? Amad. Amad? Amad. Probably Amad. Amad. Yeah. Amad uh, has got a huge problem with the High Prince. Big beef. Yeah. All kinds of like emotional like, turmoil. <laughs> murder this asshole. Murder. Yeah. Anyway. Mazen, Aisha, and Luli are all taken captive and thrown into Imad's sand fortress. I wasn't sure what this place was. Yeah. I, again, skimmed this. So the description was probably very long and I didn't care enough to. Yeah. It kind of felt like, um, uh, like ruins in the middle of some like freaky they did say ruins kind of thing. later yeah but it's an evil lair yeah evil lair <laughs> yep it's it kind of reminded me of that moment in part one and two well maybe one or two mm-hmm. in that underground palace with the queen of the dunes oh how it was super confusing mm-hmm. that's the-, the vibe i got too because it's um the like layout is confusing because like all of a sudden they go from one room and then they have some like mental thing and go into another room which like if that's what it is where it's like not even uh not metaphysical but it it's not even real yeah. but then half of it's not real that's what i wasn't certain like is this real is it not only really? like, yeah. cool, so we have a real hunter what's going on yeah and so it's fine but confusing the three are separated though Yes. Aisha gets the living shit beaten out of her. Oh, like, yeah. Girl got fucked up. Awful. <laughs> um, because he also, Imad, Imad, Imad. It's like, eh. 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 Imad. Imad has also got a huge problem with her, too, because she's loyal to Omar and he hates Omar. Mm-hmm. Um, Mazen is kind of taken off to some sort of prison and thrown in the dungeon. Nothing truly bad happens to him yeah imad is hoping to keep him hostage to lure omar into rescuing him yeah i think he says something about like a ransom yeah yeah but and why does he need money i i don't yeah. know it's <laughs> anyways just, it's weird this weird side plot yeah luli is also interrogated and because imad is hunting for some fancy jin king relic thing yeah i was always uh, the whole time reading this like six or eight chapters i was confused what he was looking yeah for. like what's the point of and i think he was confused too <laughs> <laughs> so luli's scene is particularly gruesome yeah imad put a collar around her neck that causes immense pain whenever she starts to speak like she he's mm-hmm. interrogated her he's not getting anything out of her so he puts this collar on her and then which would do the opposite of what you want right uh okay. yeah and then okay and then pay attention to this part yeah then he has her like has his ghouls flip her onto her stomach yeah and having read similar scenes yes katie and i both kind of took this to mean that this was going out down a very dark yeah. path yeah but instead he does this so he can cut her ankles i we talked about this earlier, but I was so confused by this because it almost felt like it was leading up to what we assumed it was, which I hate because this book has a lot of plot devices and I didn't want that crime to be a- another plot device. And it almost felt like the editor went through and she's like, oh, I'm not going to have that in there and then cut it out. And then they moved it to like ankle cutting because I have never heard of ankle cutting like in a, a book before i not in a book i've heard of it as a thing right because uh. you can 
like completely cripple someone oh, for yeah. life doing it's that. The whole like Achilles heel thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it could be some kind of like um, torture device common in like the Middle East maybe. And that's why that's, it was like obvious that's where it was going. But I immediately like he flipped around to her stomach and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I don't know that I could handle this. I, if that had actually happened. I would have stopped. I would have, yeah. I would not have finished this book. Yeah. And not because I don't want to say that there's a place for that in certain books. But there's, um, but there is. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like um, when it's about like the emotional trauma of that, and like overcoming that as an experience, and like mm-hmm. the emotional journey of that. But not when it's a plot device. No, not th- when it's like some kind of threat made against the person. Like we get enough of that in real life. Like don't. <laughs> this entire book is driven just by action, not by in, in like internal character development. Yeah. And as a just another action to happen to the characters, it's just too Ooh. much. Yeah, because it would probably be meant to be like an emotional scene, but it's like no, that just feels like some kind of fucked up plot device. Mm-hmm. Like. Did anyone learn anything from that or feel any kind of way about it except, you know, like overwhelming disgust, but then it's probably never going to be addressed again later. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank yeah, you. ankle cutting. <laughs> so if it was always meant to be ankle cutting, beautiful. Yeah. If a nice editor <laughs> caught that and changed it, also thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Imad... I feel like I'm just messing up that name every time. It's going to bug me. Um, <laughs> so he has taken possession of Luli's bag of infinite space. And he's also found Mazen's bangle, the one yes. that turns him into Omar. And he's been playing with the bangle. Like, who wouldn't play with this bangle? I, yeah. like, like, oh. They're like, oh, I'm Omar. Oh, now I'm a regular guy. Oh, now because I'm Omar again. Imad is hella old yeah so he, he yeah he's not a potential like a uh, romantic interest that's gonna have some kind of like overarching you know plot mm-hmm. from evil to good like no he's like a creepy old guy yeah <laughs> meanwhile mazen makes use of his handy dandy shadow and escapes from prison so again right here's another jarring mm-hmm. aspect of this book is the the perspective switches yeah huge scene with luli and Mad. yeah and and then all of a sudden it's like whoop Back to Mazen's playing with the shadow because he's he's a dumbass. (laughs) Um, But Mazen goes to rescue Aisha uh, the entire time admitting that he's like full coward mode. Like, I'm scared. I'm a coward. I'm just going to go rescue. We don't care, dude. Like, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then together they go and try to rescue Luli. Which was wild, too, because this whole part, like, um, so he has to fight like ghouls to get out of this prison, which like, okay, good. You know, Imad actually has like... uh, centuries set up like thank you for not making this too easy for our protagonists or whatever but like all of a sudden like mazen developed some kind of like fighting ability because like he didn't get fucked up by any of these ghouls and i know he's like coming at them from surprise but like you're telling me a pacifist who has never had any kind of like sword training in his life is like all of a sudden dispatching all and of he's these scared yeah yeah and he's like admitting to himself that he's a coward it's like you just did this like no no problems (laughs) again plot device (sighs) they somehow managed to get to luli and they fight with bad guy yes i'm calling him bad guy (laughs) (laughs) with the help of kadir's magical dagger Hmm. which somehow starts to talk the dagger is talking to mazen again even though kadir is dead in a voice that he kind of recognizes Hmm. um and then aisha is torn by ghouls and murdered yeah, that was, they just kind of glossed over that. Yep. And it could be because I was skimming, so it felt like it was glossed over because I glossed over it. But <laughs> if you're glossing over a podcast, let's emphasize Aisha is dead. 
again, she killed the second most interesting character. Kadir is dead. <laughs> then the in, the Sansi just swallows the entire evil lair fortress ruin thing, and bad guy is gone. Yep. But our Lily and Mazen are okay. Yeah. Aisha's dead. Kadir's dead, but somehow coming back in the sword, and then. Mazen and Luli are like, what the fuck? And then the fortress is gone and Maud is dead. I wonder who could have done that. Hmm. Luli comes to with the prince in this weird sand hidey hole thing. Like, again, I'm confused. I don't know exactly where they're at. It sounds like this burning <laughs> sand hole that they escaped to. Yeah. And this, speaking of burning, burning presence hmm. takes over the area and she feels this collar around her neck heat up and shatter. Oh. I know. This is actually kind of a cool scene. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Then this phantom of a man appears with strange but familiar tattoos and markings, and he picks her up. See previous, like, ankle injury thing. Yeah. Um, and guess who it is? Who is it? Kadir. Interesting. Kadir is back. So he got killed off again for one of the action scenes, and then all of a sudden he came back. This man has not been actually, like, physically print like present for any action scene in this whole book. No. Nope. And at this point, we're like, 60% through. But he manages to help save everyone. Every single time. Every time. <laughs> the three of them mm. continue to start to make their escape. Continue to start. That's how we're rolling. Um, <laughs> until bad guy appears again with a revelation for Luli. He accuses Kadir of, quote, being the one we were looking for. And, quote, it wasn't the compass at all. I was so fucking confused by this. <laughs> because, uh, uh, what? <laughs> did you short circuit Katie? i can't even like formulate a thought because at first i was like so why did ahmad kill luli's whole family if he was looking for kadir to like the whole time because kadir was like following luli but it was only like after like that time frame is very hazy in my mind so it's like like did all of that all happen at the same time which like sure it could have been but then also like you're telling me Ahmad for the past what because Mazen's like 20 years old so Ahmad for the past 20 years has not figured out that he is searching for a djinn not a compass even oh. though he knows how to set up the most like magically fantastic traps to somehow have like created this it, whole it makes persona for himself <laughs> It just makes zero sense. Again, like at this point, I was eye rolling because another bad guy, another subplot. Yeah. It's just like, remember our overarching quest here is them going to get the lamp with the Jin King in it. For oh, the shit. Yeah. Like, I forgot the, that was even the that's point. <laughs> the main driver of this story. And we've taken so many detours between Ahmed and the Queen of the Dunes and then this dude. But no character development. No character. We're so mad about the character development yeah. or lack thereof. Yep. Kadir cuts bad guy off and says to Lily, like, you should just kill this guy, right? Because this is the dude that murdered your family. She agrees. She can't walk. So she just crawls forward and stabs this dude to death repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah, that was violent. Seemed weird. But I also skipped past it. Yeah. Like, I didn't even this <laughs> I didn't been know been she a... killed Ahmad again. <laughs> this or... should have been such a huge Iman. part of the story because... Yeah, it's what's shaping Luli as a character is the death of her tribe and her parents. Mm -hmm. And she, yeah, she gets the chance to murder the dude who murdered them, and yeah. like she's just like, okay, I'll do it. Thanks, Kadir. And then that's it. Yeah, that's like it. no kind of like emotional blowback from because now, like, what does she do? Like, what is her reason to be? Uh, whatever that French like raison d'être or whatever it is. Uh, but like, she just did it. 
now what? She has no more purpose. She can just quit this quest. We can quit the yeah. book. We're done. Yeah. But it continues. It continues for so many more pages. I think there's a hundred something plus pages left at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, cut to Aisha, though. Thank God yes. for multiple perspectives. So Woo-hoo. the dead Aisha. It, yeah, but we're going to cut to her. <laughs> yeah. Basically, she has the circlet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember when she got the circlet, I but she has it. don't know either, because I feel like the Queen of the Dunes just, like, appeared to her. Yeah. And it's like, how did, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Queen of the Dunes appears and offers to save her life in exchange for her heart, one eye, and sharing her body. But Aisha still gets to retain her free will. I also don't understand. So, like, why was the Queen of Dunes negotiating? Because, like, I read through their dialogue and even Aisha's like, why like, like, why I, are you talking to me, dude? Yeah, <laughs> like, I want to be in control of my body. And the Queen of the Dunes is like, yeah, this isn't a possession. This is a deal. And it's like, why? Like, Well, maybe she didn't have the circlet then. Maybe that's the only way she can take mm, control of the body. That would make more sense. Yeah. And then like gave it to her when mm. they like had their deal or something. I could see that. But it was just one of those like, why did the Queen of the Dunes have like a character 180 all of a sudden? It's weird. Yeah. With no explanation. Yeah. But okay. They met back up. Yeah. They <laughs> met back up. They So Aisha joins back up with Mazen, Kadir, and Luli and they all powwow. And it's Kadir time with a little help from Aisha because Aisha now has a Jin queen in her head. Yeah. There's who, some explaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> and the explaining goes something like Kadir is an Ifrit mm-hmm. himself. So one of the Jin kings. Yeah. Like the. There's inf- like seven. There's of them. seven. And yeah. he's the Inferno one, like Flaming Blade and all of that. He happens to know all the other Ifrits, but doesn't give much background on himself at this time. Just that he committed some kind of crime and he can't return to his Jin home. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge revelation. Yeah, but and I felt totally unemotional about yeah. it. <laughs> the So I didn't catch this on my, like on my first read through last mm-hmm. night. Um, I actually saw it this morning when I was going back. He and Aisha Jin... Can we just call her that? Aisha Jin? Aisha Jin. Yeah. Um, they go through it and explain the alternative world history. Mm, this was, this is again something that could be fun, but it was delivered so unemotionally that I'm like, okay. Well, yeah. Well, first, cool. <laughs> in this world, uh, and if from part one, we kind of go over that um, the Jin's pissed off the gods because they wanted all this power. And so the gods banished them under the, under the sand sea and the humans kind of took over mm-hmm. not the case apparently right first there were jinn on the planet and then the humans came the jinn king welcomed the humans but then the humans realized that jinn blood could heal and jinn relics could be powerful tools so they got some iron weapons and started killing all the jinn and the jinn couldn't win because there were so many humans because we breed like rabbits and <laughs> <laughs> so they Contrary to the king, I think, they sink the entire kingdom. Oh, because the Jin king is like, no, like, we can't do that. And mm-hmm. then they're like, um, we're going to do it anyway. We want to live. Yeah. yeah. And so they banished, not banished, but they protected themselves by sinking their entire country underneath the Stancy. Mm-hmm. They also realized that the Jin king and the sultan's story, uh, oh, remember, Amir in the Lamp. Yeah, Amir in the Lamp um, is. Not the capital T Jin King, uh, <laughs> but it's like their buddy who's the shapeshifter dude, mm. who, according to the d- description, is a bit of a cocky bastard <laughs> like, <laughs> and the most likely of the Ifrit to like make an ego fueled 
deal with a human. Right. Oh, also, I put this in a little bit later, but this particular Jin Ifrit King mm-hmm. is a they. Oh, yeah. I did like this part. Yeah. Um, a little like non-binary, you know, new age tidbit thrown in. But it makes sense. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a token character because it's yeah. a shapeshifter. So they can be anything or any gender that they want to be. Yeah. I'm. It makes sense that they, too, feel a little bit confused about what they are. <laughs> not, not that you need to be a shapeshifter to pick your no, gender, yeah. but like. If anyone was a little confused about, you know, a little gender dysphoria, it'd probably be someone that has like no distinct yeah. figure. <laughs> anyway, nice addition to the story. Mm-hmm. At this point, Luli puts a couple pieces together and realizes that Kadir was wandering the desert looking for the compass relic, which mm. her parents possessed. Mm-hmm. And if mad <laughs> and team... Uh, were on orders of the sultan, were out looking for Kadir, which led them to her tribe. Um, so she mm. sinks into this depressed funk and doesn't speak to anyone, but especially Kadir for a while. Again, like, this is supposed to be super emotional. Like, she realizes the entire reason her parents and tribe are dead are because Kadir was tracking them. Yeah, who is now all of a sudden protecting her for the past however many years. Guilt trip like, much? Unfortunate coincidence. But again... I feel no sort of anything about yeah, it. Don't care. It. Don't care at it's all. Like, okay, I'm sorry, hun, but now what? <laughs> yeah. They yeah. set off to travel again. It's this is a pattern. Like mm-hmm. big action, lots of fighting, introduce new characters, and then they travel. Yep. The travel is like the pause in between each mm-hmm. of the, the major events. And the travel doesn't even take that long. Yeah. There's a bunch of filler scenes in here, but in short, the team is broke. So they hatch up a plan to set Mazen up. So they travel, they make it to a new city. I forgot to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you pronounce it for me? Uh, Gibbon. 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 Probably like one of those like, Gibbon. I can never make that noise, but Gibbon. The goths are weird. Yeah. Um, See, we know things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so they make it to Gibbon and Mazen, they set Mazen up in the marketplace to tell stories for tips. And they use a little gin magic, courtesy of Kadir, um, to kind of spiffy up his stories. So again, I, um, so none of these characters really have their own like personalities or anything that like makes them like endearing, you know? And I feel like storytelling was supposed to be Mazin's. And, um, but they cut him off. So like the first time he goes into like storytelling mode, which should be the point when like, um, people kind of get like enamored with him. They like watch how, you know, his eyes light up and he, you know, gets a funny voice that like, everybody's like, oh my God, like he's really into this. And it should be the moment that we're like, oh my God, we love Mazen. But like the first time he gets cut off, cause they move it into the like, um, parchment, paper third mm-hmm. person perspective and then the second time that he's supposed to tell a story they just like cut him off and it's like oh he told a story and then anyway the plot and it's like no these little tidbits are where you like make your money when it comes to like making people care about your characters it would be hard to make anyone care about Nelson at this yeah. point in the story though. but We're- I mean it's like you had it all lined up like this is one of those fucking T-balls 300 and something pages in to the story yeah. at this point and we still don't care about Mazen I don't no. think it's ever gonna happen yeah except in a very like oblique like, yeah kind of way and yeah this was your point you could have talked about the stars in his eyes and 
has this dreamy voice and, you know. I would have loved to have seen another brief character perspective, like maybe some bystander who stops to listen to the story. Yeah. And gets to view Mazen not through Luli or Aisha's eyes. Yes. Yeah, because that would do something for me. Mm -hmm. Be like, okay, so he's one of these people that, like, you don't appreciate it because he's, you know, soft or, Mm -hmm. like, weaker but then you get this moment where it's like oh like he's a a dreamer yeah, or whatever good storytellers have that charisma. power yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but we just skip past it uh-huh. um <laughs> while mazen is doing his storyteller bit aisha wanders off to meet a member of the 40 thieves who's like a resident of the city mm-hmm. like the designated thief gin hunter here yeah um so he can carry a message back to omar about the status of the quest mm-hmm um so that's another thing we're not going to go into detail about that but again this was like a whole chapter does like set aside for this you know aisha adventure and it could have been one of those points where this extra character um i forgot his name but uh, that could have been a moment where we like get to buy into aisha's character but again like we don't learn anything new it felt like a scene that needed to be written but you're like okay it was completely pointless Pointless. for me yeah um yeah yeah they later on so there's a lot going on in this section Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't affect the plot at all so later on they stumble upon some wanted photos of mazen like those old school wanted pictures (laughs) like the old west (laughs) cowboys what i was thinking (laughs) and he's been accused of murdering the sultan Hmm. I wonder, is this all part of Omar's grand plan with the bangle switch? I could not have seen that coming. No, this is so surprising. No, Omar is a bad guy. Wow. Right. Mazen has a breakdown realizing his brother really is an asshole and his dad is dead. But again, this is one of those points like you did not give me any redeeming scenes of Omar. Like he maybe had some with Aisha where I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe we got like something going on here, but like not fulfilled enough for me to even care about this. It's like Mazen, like you're telling me you did not know your brother was an asshole when he's been acting like an asshole for the past 20 years. Or any like, kind sir. of <laughs> or any bonding scenes with dad. Yeah. Like, like dad murdered all his wives. Like yeah, give some the, of us redeeming qualities here. Exactly. And the dad was like an asshole in all the scenes with Mazen. Like Mazen's like, oh, like dad, I love you, but you're like kind of being a dick right now. And it's like I as the reader have only seen these dick scenes. So but not the fun kind. <laughs> uh, none of the fun kind. <laughs> okay, to recap. Circle dirt. Tickets <laughs> yeah. and um, more meat. Taco. We have a theme here. Yep. Maybe it's just because there was no smut in this. <laughs> we were missing a little bit of that. Yeah. But I don't even need that. Let me caveat that. I don't need that to enjoy a book. Evidence A, but I, crown duel. Yeah. There's no smut in that. But you feel all kind of feels mm-hmm. when the characters talk. But this one, I'm like, oh, my God, they're talking again. Like, it's so boring. <laughs> let's just skip past these pages. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Anyways, Kadir goes into town to gather more news while they all hunker down in hiding because, you know, Mazen's a wanted dude. Um, and go. they learn that Hakim, the good middle brother, escaped with the help of, guess who? Ahmed, who was cut down defending him. Again, I don't give a fuck about Ahmed anymore. Again, like, why totally did... indifferent. Okay, great. He had this awesome story arc where Luli wasn't sure how she felt about him. And, oh, wait, he's actually a good dude who's, who was suspicious of omar the entire time yeah for like years and he saved the middle brother and got cut down in the process cool 
Yeah, great side. <laughs> like, sorry, side Lily, there. but uh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that um, just tells you how. Because I'm one of those people that I will latch on to any character and hopefully see the good in them and like hope all kinds of like happiness upon their themselves and their family. But like, I was so fucking indifferent. Like Ahmed had no like redeeming. Like he just seemed superficial the whole time. He was uninteresting. So it's like, why should I love him? <laughs> you got to convince me, yeah. girl. <laughs> They managed to escape the town and and back to our main quest. It's like we're playing a video game with mm-hmm. like a bunch of side quests and we forget the whole point of the game. Yeah. Um <laughs> yes. they, <laughs> but not the fun kind of side quest where no. you're like, this is this is the point of the game. It's, it's the side quest. It's and it's the side quests with the with the bosses that are just a pain in the ass to beat that make you quit the yeah. game. Like, oh I Side quest, this boss sucks. I can't beat him. Yeah. I'm just gonna quit for three months. Or you get like irritated because they're like okay, like, I know they're going to survive. Like, let's just cut it down. But fuck, there's another one. Like, oh, my God, okay. I just want to do the actual quest, but you keep throwing these, like, lame-ass bosses at me, like... But, Katie, are there any bosses in Stardew Valley? No. Okay, I... (laughs) We're going to get into this because, like, obviously the book is, like, kind of annoying me. Um, Stardew Valley and uh, Animal Crossing are, like, my comfort games. I just zone out when I've had a hard day at work, and I just, like farm my little crops and I like take care of my little chickens and I talk to my little animal friends. Um, If you're a Stardew Valley Animal Crossing person, like you get it. It's all about the comfy, cozy vibes. I I tried. (laughs) This is where Katie and I diverge significantly. I'm more of a... I don't know. I like the sim games. Like oh, those are fun. Yeah, the like city builders and, mm-hmm. and like one like civilization. There's another one. Origins. Yeah, it's like Civilization Five. I yeah. always see like commercials for it and stuff. I like the nerd games. That's fair, girl. <laughs> We're all yeah. But also Assassin's Creed. If you haven't played it, that's a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got um a little bit of Assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this one yeah like one of the og ones like two or three oh yeah is way back all like the crusades or something oh like my right before. goodness so you might have been too young uh-huh. and i'm gonna reveal my age here so <laughs> prince of persia sands of time for the nintendo gamecube which oh i thought you were gonna talk about the movie with uh jake gyllenhaal okay well the movie was awful but <laughs> yeah, based on the video game oh um, oh that's a fun switch don't watch the movie just play the game i think they remastered it like you can play it on steam oh um it's really bad like i it was built up in my mind as this amazing video game but it's the that's always so sad when I you know. like go back and you're like oh yeah <laughs> um anyway stardew valley and prince of persia yep that's the synopsis of this episode. We would rather be doing both of those <laughs> things than reading this book. I did play Stardew Valley in between chapters. Shame on you. I'm like, I'll play one day on the game and then read one chapter. I did attempt Stardew Valley. It's just a little slow for me. That's fair. I just need soothing games that are very like non-conflict. That, that matches our exercise routines as well. Yeah, that is very true. Um, if you Peloton, Ally Love is my girl. And I like uh, Tune Day. <laughs> she likes to suffer. <laughs> I want to hate myself a little bit, but I want yep. someone to smile at me while I'm doing That's it. That's fair. I I just want to be happy and non-confrontational yeah. and be told that I'm I'm good. And we've clearly established ourselves as very basic because we Peloton and play Animal Crossing. <laughs> so. I, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know. Yeah. So thanks for thanks for staying tuned. Uh, as you can tell, the alcohol is starting to hit just a little bit. We have half a page left of our notes, though. We, we can will power, get through. We this. can power through this. 
Back to our three protagonists. They escape the town to continue hunting for the lamp. Well, but why are they? You know what? I'm gonna stop myself. <laughs> I don't know why. Keep going. I don't know why they're hunting for the lamp still because the Sultan is dead. Obviously, Omar is yeah. in charge. Like they have no. Uh, Maybe this girl, was a part. Pull it we, together. We skimmed over and we just don't know and we don't care. So it's fine. The compass, the magical compass, right, yes. leads them straight to it, and it's buried in another palace of some kind. I was buried. also confused. Buried. Sorry. Buried. Buried. <laughs> Stop it. I have to take my chances when I can. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> buried. I'm going to be super self-conscious of myself now. Oh, no. Please don't. It's because I always fuck up words. It's too late between Imad and Buried. <laughs> Imad Buried. The and Buried. All, and all of the other words that we keep um, finding. I know. I'm so sorry. No, no. It's half the fun of this. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure some of our, our friends who are listening are also enjoying us stumbling over several Probably. Words. Yeah. Okay. They are hunting for the lamp. They find the lamp. Mazen rubs the lamp. Nothing happens. Akko. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, Kadir gets distracted by this illusion of what was probably his dead girlfriend. This is the dead girlfriend whose soul controls the compass. Mm, mm-hmm. Kalela? Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, Which, what a pretty name. I'm obsessed. Kalela. That's very pretty. Love it. I'm probably like saying it wrong or something, but Kalela. Yeah, because Kalila. Oh, because it's, yeah, because the male version is yeah, Khalil. Khalil. Yeah. Kalila. Okay, yeah. but still, still pretty. It reminds me of like a flower of some sort. Anyways. Anyway, Kadir, who saves the day all the time, is distracted, and then some iron-tipped arrows get shot at the group. More battling. It's Ooh, great. Great. Aisha charges in and starts fighting the new enemies so they can escape. Um, it's Omar and company, by the Uh-oh. way. They've appeared to also get the lamp. To we're we're at the home stretch here. Just, <laughs> just bear with us. We're we're powering through. Um, Mazen realizes he can command the jinn from the lamp, the lamp that's not working, by the way, because he shares the same blood as Amir. Mm, so he relatives. Cuts, yeah, yeah. Amir and the lamp, remember that story? So he cuts his palm open and presses it to the lamp, dramatically announcing that Rija, is that the right name? I think so, Rija. I did I it this it. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our gender fluid, non-binary, um, uh, transfiguration dude yeah so they learned person the, Rija, i mean dude is, you know yeah everyone's a dude Rija got his back they learned Rija's backstory and his name from kadir yes um so <laughs> mazen being mazen it's like Rija, you are mine to command and reason's like nah fuck you bitch <laughs> <laughs> I, I really i really did enjoy that scene because uh Rija's like nah i i don't gotta listen to you and yeah, then i'm he good <laughs> agrees to help them he or they Rija agrees to help them for Kadir. Mm-hmm. Kadir's like, hey, hey, buddy, like, uh, for me, please, since they're <laughs> both, like, Ifrit. I love that dude and buddy are also non-binary terms. Like, Fine everyone yeah. is dude and buddy. <laughs> the, the amount of times, that, well, and bro also. Yeah, bro too. Bro is not man only Not use. anymore. Uh-uh. Everyone's a bro. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, like, saying it passive aggressively. Like, bro. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking right now? Yep, everybody's bro. Anyway. Um, anyway, Omar and gang catch up to them. Um, and now it's family history time. Akko, is this where they reveal all of their like internal secrets that could have been littered throughout the book and would make the middle slog a little bit easier to get through and then wouldn't have made the last no, couple like, Katie, chapters? <laughs> not at all. Huh. Hmm. Omar, Omar's mom was a djinn. This was kind of left field for me. 
I, because you get little like tidbits of it because like Omar like pops out of places and Mazen kind of observes like, whoa, that's like kind of weird, but mm-hmm. then thinks nothing more of it. But also like, you got to tell me why. Like maybe give me like a flashback of like Anything. Omar's mom and the Sultan like falling in love because like, why would the Sultan just like be We okay got zero backstory that. on Omar's mom and the Sultan prior to this point. Yeah. It's like, give me a little bit of a love story since you're not going to give me anything like throughout this whole book. Like, I'm parched. <laughs> yeah. And Omar, by the way, we yeah, we haven't mentioned it before in this episode. Omar has black blood, which Mazen discovered when he was... When he was Omar. Yeah, when he was wearing the bangle. And they kind of like blew it off. They're like, oh, it's probably just some like weird side effect from being around all these relics. And it's like, that doesn't even make sense, but okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> The Sultan killed Omar's mom because he didn't know she was a djinn. He found out, no, you're a djinn, you're evil. Okay, I killed her. So that's traumatic for a child. But also, like, why would he continue to keep Omar around? I don't know. Because he's half djinn. They haven't even talked about children born of djinn and humans. Yeah. That's an entirely different topic. Because it should be that they can't, like, Omar shouldn't be able to have kids, right? Because, yeah. like, mules. Um, oh, you're comparing our Well, I mean, <laughs> I would assume it's the same with, like, humans. Mm-hmm. I've seen with other, like, species, but yeah. I don't know. We're getting into, like, biology yeah. territory, but <laughs> these it, are the side tangents I have weird. to think like, of. <laughs> all of this could have been fleshed out, but Omar has his mom's relic, and that's the earring that he refused to give up. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the one part of the disguise that Mazen probably needed to be yeah. convincing, and Ahmed immediately was like, hey, wait a second, where's your earring? And he's mm-hmm. like, Ew, I don't know where my earring is. That's weird. <laughs> Panic. That, that was weird. And like, I get it was supposed to be this mystery buildup thing. Like, oh, why does he hyper-focus on this earring? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's because it's a relic. Which is sad, because I thought it was just some kind of like emotional attachment. Like, that, I would have liked that more Way than more. it being a relic. It's like, oh, okay, so he doesn't have any feelings. And then also, I... It's unclear how old they are, but Omar, in an act of revenge, kills Mazen's mom. That's Shafia. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Omar could have only been like 13. Very young, because he's at least two to four years older than Mazen. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, um, that's the family history. So Omar is the son of the sultan and a jinn in hiding. The sultan killed his mom. And for revenge, Omar planned this long game and killed Mazen's mom and then killed the Sultan and blamed it all on Mazen. Oh, no. Oh. Again, unimpacted. Yep. <laughs> Don't care. Kadir comes up with this plan. So family history aside, Kadir is, they're all facing Omar and gang. It looks pretty dark for them because, you know, Mazen is this wanted dude for the entire country. Like, cause he killed the Sultan supposedly. Mm-hmm. And Omar is now the Sultan. So Kadir tells Luli to trust him, and then he asks Rija uh, to take care of them. Rija turns into a gigantic bird, and then she and Mazen get to go on a plane ride. Woo-woo! Yep. They briefly consider taking Aisha with them, but Aisha now has a ghoul army and is pretty content to just stay behind and continue being a badass. Which <laughs> she I'm, is just vibing. Yeah, she's like, oh, I was meant to like partner with this gin queen, which Ugh. just shout out to Katie for calling that early on in like, part two. I did. Yeah. I don't know if we recorded it, but that's what I thought. I thought Aisha was going to have some like liberation moment where she's like, I don't need anyone. I'm going to be some badass motherfucker and just like do what I want. And even the Queen of the Dunes was like, because we talked about this a second ago, like, why was she okay with making a deal with Aisha instead of just possessing her? But I just thought it was funny that Aisha's like, anyways, I'm the queen of the dunes. I'm gonna and I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. 
Good for her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fine. Like, that's one story arc I was okay with. Yeah. If you just, like, sprinkled in a little bit of, like, emotional depth, I would have been immediately, it like... It would have been so much... Oh, yeah. yeah. Sold for Aisha. Rija, uh, as a bird, dives into a sand hole out of nowhere. Another uh, one. Yeah. I think Kadir opens this one. Mm. And then Luli and Mazen realize they're on the way to the city of the Jinn. Ooh. Leaving Kadir behind. Again. Yeah, uh, big dramatic reveal at this point. Okay, this is like page uh, four hundred and fifty-nine, like, like out of four hundred and sixty or something. Yeah. <laughs> Upon arriving, Luli, with the help of a sassy Rija, realizes that oh shit, Kadir isn't just the Inferno Ifrit. He is the all caps big baddie king of the Ifrits. He's the king of the Jinn. He's the king that welcomed the humans. Uh-oh, end of book one. Where's book two? Yeah. Because that's where I was confused because, like, if he was the, like, big king, so the one that was like, oh, the humans aren't that bad. Like, I don't want you to sink the sand sea. Like, why was he okay with uh, the Queen of the Dunes, like, coming back and they didn't have some kind of, like, weird beef? Because that would have meant the Queen of the Dunes. I don't know. There's I'm also squinting, weird... if you guys were wondering. <laughs> She's squinting hard at me. I'm a little intimidated. Uh, what? Yeah. But that's it. That's the end yep. of the book. There's a lot going on, and I... That was a trip. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we are going to go in-depth on what we thought would have made this book better in Wait. our Q&A episode. Well, okay. I And some fun, some fun little, like, other, like tangents so but. i hesitate i hesitate to say better because yeah that's that's fair because it's not terrible like we've both read terrible books the yeah. writing is good the yes. plot like the ideas in this book are really fun the yeah. setting the is setting cool. is amazing yeah um but there is no emotional depth like i didn't feel connected to any of the characters really throughout the whole book so it made it hard to read through even though these like exciting amazing things were happening in these exciting amazing places and there was like all this lore that i was very interested in but there's no like uh buy-in no and it, it felt like this was three books compacted into one and the fact that mm, there is two yeah. more books to follow yeah i'm exhausted just thinking yeah about it. i would be okay reading the second book if like it was just dialogue between characters emotional mm -hmm. like understanding like Lily coming to terms with the fact that now she doesn't really have anything to focus on now that she's like avenged her family like and there's a the blowback of that we didn't even touch on this but the undercurrent now between Lily and Kadir yeah there are some scenes there's nothing there's nothing outright that would make you say oh there's a romantic angle here mm -hmm. between these two characters but the way he swoops in and saves her and carries mm -hmm. her when her ankles are cut and then, yeah. oh, trust me, Luli. Like, mm -hmm. like, it's just little. I Did we talk about that? I think in episode, what was that? It would have been episode six. But I wrote it on a little sticky note. And it might have been that we talked about it before we started recording. Um, but I literally wrote down, like, some of these scenes feel a little bit more than platonic. Like, I know that... Oh, you did. I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, because they did. There was a couple moments where, like, everything was set up the way that romance scenes are, where it's, like, this kind of, like, very, like, vulnerable, emotional, like, uh, actions being taken. But, like, we're told that it, it's strictly platonic. But it's, like, I don't know. Because, like, all of the actions are saying otherwise. Yeah. Maybe we should know. reserve that for... 
Yeah, the Q&A. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, way ahead. Um, but still, it, so, was a, it was a ride. So much so. <laughs> With that, yes. from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.